Do you hear what she said? How many of you guys have seen Iron Man? Right? I hope you have. If you haven't, go watch it. It's awesome. It changed the movie industry forever. Or played the game Operation. Anybody ever done that? It's like an old game, right? It's kind of like what she was doing. It's like this little weird body thing, and you have to, like, move stuff around and whatnot, not touch the sides, or it zaps you. And it's like there's something she said in that, though, that caught my attention when I was watching that. Uh, She says, like, I'm not qualified. Did you hear that? Like, I'm not qualified. And she probably wasn't, right? Would you ever want to go to a doctor and have them, like, do stuff on you that, like, had no idea what they're doing and they're going to start, like, fiddling around inside your body? If they're not qualified, that's a big deal. Like, you don't want to hear your doctor go, wait a minute, like, I'm about to cut you open, but I'm not qualified. Like, that should freak you out. You should get up and leave. You shouldn't stay there and let them, like, do surgery on you. But when it comes to the body of Christ, which is what we've been talking about, right? We started last week. We looked at what it means to be part of the body of Christ, that God has gifted us in all these different ways and put us together in this group so that, like, we all help each other move forward for the cause of Jesus. And that's what being a church is. It's being the body of Christ. And a lot of us, when we talk about the body of Christ, we kind of, I mean, I think we could relate to what she said. We would say, like, I'm not qualified. (laughs) Like, I don't know what that means to be a part of this body. It's like fumbling around inside of like Jesus, like mystical, like body. Like I have no idea what any of that even represents. And here's the deal though. God looks at you when you trust in Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm following you. And he gives you exactly what you need to be qualified to be part of the body of Christ. You don't need to go to like medical school or like, theology school or any of that to be a part of Jesus' body and to operate in that body and to help others in that body because God has given you already the thing that you need, which is the Holy Spirit who's inside of you that helps you interact in the church, in his body, serve him, be about his kingdom. And so when we would say, hey, Jesus, like, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. He would look back at us and say, yes, you are. I've already given you the qualification. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you that will allow you to do what I've called you to do. You see, God doesn't just call you to follow Jesus and then say, hey, you're on your own, dude. Figure it out. That's not how God works. God loves you, he wants to grow you, and he wants you to be qualified, right? So he works within you in the Holy Spirit so you can serve him. So you can do these big crazy things that you're like, on my own, there's no way I'm accomplishing that. And he's like, you're not alone. You can accomplish that because you're qualified through me. My power is in you, I'm gonna guide you, I'm gonna direct you, and here's your part. Are you ready? This is your part in this. You trust him. When you have faith that says, God, you won't just leave me here abandoned and let me just figure this all out on my own, but I believe you'll guide me. I believe you'll give me the power and whatever I need to do the thing you've called me to do, he shows up and he does that very thing. And the Holy Spirit leads you to do things that will blow your mind. So many of us never give him the chance. We never take that risk. Either we're too scared or literally we're just too caught up in ourselves and our own lives to care about what God wants. But he's calling us to be a part of something unbelievable, part of his mission that's so much bigger than anything in any of our lives. And it's just a matter of wanting to be a part of it. And listen, he wants you to be a part of it. That's why he's invited you into his body. When you trusted Jesus as your savior, if you've done that. And so you are qualified. And tonight we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're gonna see what every body has. Do you know that your body has this thing called DNA, right? I'm sure you've heard of that before. 
DNA is unbelievable. They say that if they took out just a single, like, reading of your DNA, like, in one cell, it could stretch to, like, the sun and back, like, I don't know how many times. Like, it's this unbelievably long thing that is the code and the blueprint for you. It's how your body knows how to make itself. It's how your cells know how to build out exactly who you are, make your face the way it looks and your hands the size that they are and give you like really long legs or really short legs or blue eyes or brown eyes. Like your DNA, all of that stuff is encoded in there like blueprints, which right there is unbelievable. Like that should blow your mind if someone's like, hey, evolution's really like, whatever. Like, have you heard about DNA? Evolution didn't sit down and write out my blueprints. Someone intellectual had to do that, and that was God. And that DNA that's in your body, right, that's so unbelievable, is also, there's DNA in God's, in Jesus' body, in the body of Christ. There's a special DNA in a different way that programs us so that his body can run well and build itself up. And his DNA is a little bit different, but there are three things in 1 Corinthians here that I want to show you in chapter 12. There are three parts of the DNA of the body of Christ that I think is really important for you to know if you want to be a part of this thing, right? The first thing, read with me, it's verses 12 and 13. It says, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. He repeats over and over a word, that word one. And what he's trying to let us know here is that the body of Christ, one part of its DNA is this thing called unity, that we come together as one, united. You know that all across the world, there are people that believe in Jesus people from different cultures, people who speak different languages, who are in all these different countries around the world that you could go to and visit, and they would be absolutely nothing like you. They would be so different and think so different and want different things than you would want. And you might think, how in the world is God going to take all of these believers from all these different places that are so different and put them together into one thing, and they actually get along? Like, how is that ever going to work? But part of the DNA of the body of Christ, this first part, is unity. God's like, I'm going to take so many different people. You realize that just the people in this room, if we were to go through and, like, ask every person and write it down, do a little survey of, like, your, your likes and dislikes and your preferences, we would be so different. We would be all over the board. And here we are, all the same, like, we speak the same language. We're in the same city or town or whatever Merritt Island is, island, right? We're all here. We're in the same church, the same youth group. There's so many similarities that we have, and yet we would be so different. And you know that because all you have to do is talk to a person at the end of your row and be like, wow, like we're very different people. And God says it doesn't matter. He's like, I'm going to bring all of you into this perfect unity. That's part of what being a part of the body of Christ is. It might almost seem unbelievable at first. Like, how will you ever do that? You've watched the news. Have you seen the wars that are being fought and like all the stuff going on around our world because people are so different? And God knows that, right? And here's the thing. The word church itself is the word ekklesia. And ekklesia in Greek means to call out of, right? To call 
out of. And so if you are part of the church, right, God's church, you follow Jesus, do you know that you have been called out of something? God looked at you and he said, I want your heart. I want your life. And he calls you. And he says, there you are sitting in sin, doing your own thing, lost as the night is dark, right? And I'm going to look at you and God's like, I'm going to call you out of that. Out of your old self, your old identity, your own passions, your own mess, right? Because we all have that, our own brokenness. And God's like, I'm calling you out of who you used to be. And you're going to step out of that life and into something brand new, which is his body. It's the church, right? It's being a part of something bigger than yourself that only God can accomplish. But you got to step out of that past first. Now, there are a lot of churches today and believers today, you probably know some, you might be one. That you're like, I hear the call, Lord, you're calling me. Yes, I want to answer that. And you, you go, well, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay right here <laughs> and still say I love you. And you're not going to step out of the thing he called you out of. Like, but I really like the sin that I'm in right now. And this group of friends that I know are just totally dragging me away from Jesus. And I'm going to do whatever. You put it on your list of things God's literally calling you out of and you know it. But for some reason, we think it's okay to sit here and still claim to be part of the body of Christ. What happened to the called out part? (laughs) What happened to the step out of the old life and leave it behind and step into something brand new part? Because when you step into the body of Christ, you leave that behind, and now your eyes are just like staring at Jesus like there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better in the entire universe. Remember Hebrews that we just went through, the first four chapters, over and over, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than everything. Do you believe it? Are you standing in a new place where your eyes are on Jesus and you're like, you really are better? Or are you still like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Like, this is comfortable. This is good. Like, this is pleasurable. I like what I'm doing here. I don't want to change the way I speak or the things that I do or the choices that I make. But I still want Jesus. And so what happens is we get churches that are full of people that don't actually follow Jesus. And we have people that want to go to church to find God, and instead of stepping into a church full of people that look like Jesus and act like Jesus and love like Jesus, what they find when they walk into these so-called churches are a bunch of people sitting in their old lives. A bunch of sinful people that are in love with sin, in love with the world, and they don't want to give that up. They just want to claim Jesus but still live in their sin. And then they're like, where did I just come to? Like, what is this? You guys are just like us. You're just as mean. You're just as judgy. You're just as whatever. Put it on the list, right? Why do I even bother going to church if it's the same as what I find out there in the world? Are we guilty of being those people that are still sitting in our old lives because God has literally called us out of that life and said, I'm done with it. Leave the old me behind. And yes, Jesus, I want to be part of your body. I want to be changed and different and transformed. Do you want to love like Jesus loves? Or do you want to just stay being a jerk like we are before we're saved because we don't know how to love? 
Do you want to be able to look at people and see them in a different way with the eyes of Christ? Or see them the same way you've always seen them? Do you want to do things that are far beyond your capability? Things that literally will shock you, like, I don't know how I could ever do this because the power of God did it through you? Or do you want to sit in your comfort and do nothing with your life? Jesus called you out of this mess and into something unbelievable. What on earth would keep you wanting to sit here? But so many of us do, right? Churches are full of people like that, that just stay here and they don't step out of because they've been called by God out of that. And into this body, let's let's talk about the body for a second, right? Because Paul definitely paints a picture of a body and he paints Jesus as the head because Jesus is the one making the decisions, right? We look to Jesus and say, what do you want us to do? Uh, Where do you want us to go? How do you want us to serve? What's next? How can we bow down before you and say, you're the king, you're the head, we will go where you want. It's submitting to Jesus. We don't just like, hey, let's make a church and like have some awesome music and like eat cool food together and like hang out and do these sweet fellowships and never talk about Jesus because that's such a drag, right? No, the whole point is to come talk about Jesus. If we didn't have music, if we didn't have like AC in this room, if we didn't have a basketball court or any of this other stuff, all we would do is just come into this room and just talk about Jesus. Would you still come? Would you go to a thing like that? What if none of your friends went to that thing? What if it was a group of strangers, but they were going to talk about Jesus? None of your friends do, but they do. Would you still go? You see, this is about Jesus. (laughs) He's the only thing it's about. He is the head of the church, and he's why we're part of this body. I'm not saying any of this stuff is bad. But it's definitely not the head. It's not the most important thing that we do. Jesus is. And I hope some of y'all are here because you're like, Jesus is the best. I want him more than anything else. And even if this was like there was nothing else here but a group of people I don't know talking about Jesus, that's where I want to be because I love Jesus. And so we become the body when we do that. And what that does is he gifts you. He gives you these supernatural spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit so that you can do things to serve him and everybody's different, right? And you get to do these different things based on what part of the body you are and we work together under Jesus to accomplish his mission, which is, listen, go out to the people who are like dying and hopeless and don't know that there is hope to be had in Jesus and tell them, share it with them, hug them, love them, serve him, let them see the love of Jesus in action. Like, be that believer in Christ who's part of his body that's actually out serving Jesus. And he says this at the end, right? So we're body parts, but there's something that brings us into this unity that he's talking about here, this first part of the DNA, this oneness, this unity. He says that we drink from the same spirit. We can, like, overcome any difference that we might have because. We've got the same spirit of God living inside of us. We can think different, have different opinions or preferences and even personalities. 
Because the same Spirit of God lives in us, and the same Spirit of God that wants certain things also wants those same certain things inside of you. So when we line up and we're like, hey, listen, I might want this, but God's Spirit wants this. You're like, yeah, I want something different, but you're right. God's Spirit wants this, and we can agree in that. We both want what God wants over what we what each of us want, right? I might have my preference, but I'd rather do what Jesus calls me to do. And the Holy Spirit is what's inside of us, linking us together, overcoming our preferences and our differences. Jesus, this, this Holy Spirit inside of us that we drink of is the one that is uniting the body. And it's beautiful when the body's working together. It's awesome because nothing's like it. It is so powerful when you see the church stand up and actually do a thing for the body. The, the, the will of God, right? And for Jesus and his kingdom. But when we don't, it's like, has, has, have you ever like had your leg fall asleep before you've been sitting too long? Or maybe you're like, this is what happens to me when I'm sitting on the ground, like crisscross, which I don't like ever do. I haven't done that since I was like 12 years old or younger, right? But like when I did, I remember like in school, they would have us sit up against the wall to watch movies and stuff because they thought it was cool. Get out of your desks and sit on the floor. Woo-hoo. And I was like, I hate this. I don't want to sit on the floor. And we'd like cross our legs and sit on the floor and both legs would fall asleep. Both of them, not just one. Like I was a big boy, right? Both legs asleep on the ground. And so you go to get up and what happens? Like you are stumbling, like you can't even feel your legs at all. And then all of a sudden that, that little like, what is that like prickly feeling, tingly feeling starts as your blood starts flowing and it tickles so bad and you're just like, ah, it's like the pee-pee dance, right? Like I hate that feeling, right? I hated watching movies in school because that's what we'd have to do. And when that leg doesn't work, you're just dragging it along, trying to act like you just have swag. You know, you're like, oh, look at me, you know, but really your leg is just asleep. It doesn't work. And it's the same thing with the body. Listen, when we aren't doing our job, it's hurting the rest of the body of Christ around us. If we were just a room full of the same type of people, we would not serve each other well. A bunch of mouths, all it would be is loud in here. Nobody would get hugs or loved or served. Nobody would be going anywhere. It'd just be a bunch of people running their mouth, right? Because we're all mouths. Because the legs aren't doing their thing and their hands aren't doing their thing. Are you doing your thing? I'm not talking to the people tonight that like, you're like, I'm not even following Jesus. Don't even talk to me. All right, I get that. But what if, what about people who are? If you're here tonight, you're like, I do follow Jesus. I do want to be part of this body of Christ. Let me ask you the question. Are you doing your thing? The thing God's called you and gifted you to do? If you're a hand, are you serving? We looked at this a little last week. I asked you the same question. If you're a mouth, are you sharing? If your feet, are you going? Like, are you doing these things that God has called you to do? Because if not, man, it just reduces the effectiveness of this body of Christ here. He wants to use you. Time to say yes. Time to start saying yes and do the thing he's called you to do. Look at verses 14 to 20. It says, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Here's the second part of the DNA. We had unity, right? That was the first one. The second part is diversity. This is so important. Because a lot of times we just want to be in our like little group with people just like us, where we're most comfortable. We dress a certain way. We talk a certain way. We have the same sense of humor. We're the same kind of like level of coolness in our school or whatever. Like we want to find people like us and just like chill with people like us. Diversity says we can actually serve a whole bunch of people because we're different. (laughs) And there's beautiful things about us being different. If we were all the same, it says, where would the body be? We'd just be like one big body part. But the fact that we're diverse, that we have different gifts is beautiful. And it's not just beautiful. It's part of the DNA of the body of Christ. God wants it that way so that we can all work together. A lot of us, though, we got some mouths in here tonight, right? We got lots of mouths because they're talking out there. Woo, we can't even see you, but I hear you. I got ears. If I, put up, if I put up on the screen a bicep, a big, huge bicep. Have you seen Caleb Richardson, the dude who is always like in sleeveless shirts because he loves biceps, right? Caleb, I see you back there. Most people be like, I want to be a bicep. It's strong, you know, like biceps represent something. It's awesome. And then on the other side, I put up a liver. Beautiful liver, you know, it's all bloody and <laughs> you're like, sign me up to be a liver. <laughs> no, dude, you're picking the bicep. You're picking the bicep because it's the like the prettier one, the, the one that stands out, the one that people see. You wear your sleeveless and everyone's like, oh, look at those biceps, right? We went to summer camp last year and this dude was just always rocking the sleeveless. And his name, we called him bicep. Like that became his name, right? Because people would like see it and be like, whoa, you know, but not the liver. The liver, you're like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, why would I want to be that? That's disgusting. Some of us might get nauseous and even vomit just looking at the thing on the screen. Most of you aren't going to pick a liver, but you know, out of the two, you can live without a bicep. You cannot survive without a liver. It's not the prettier option. It's not the popular option, but it's the option that is far more powerful and valuable that keeps you alive. But most of us, when we're talking about gifts and being part of the body, we think of things that put us on a stage in the spotlight. The one everyone sees and pats you on the back for, praises you for. We want the gifts that everybody is like applauding and like, man, that's good. And they recognize it and notice it and think you're so awesome. And we forget about these unbelievable gifts that God has given so many of us, but we're hiding it because it's a liver. You know, it's the thing that it doesn't look real pretty. It's serving behind the scenes where nobody sees it happen. It's talking to that friend who's just, their life is just wrecked and falling apart. And it's like, you're just sitting there, no recognition, nobody's seeing it and applauding you, but you're faithfully there sitting and listening and loving them. Or you're going to a place where no one's gonna see you go to serve and love people or share the gospel that you're never gonna get some like movie made about. Like, why do we hide the gifts that are so powerful? to choose gifts that are so watered down. We just want the recognition, and Jesus is not about that. He's the head. He's the one who gets the recognition while we just humbly serve. 
So the second thing, this diversity is so important that we actually choose to serve him however he has called us, even if that means being different, being a liver, being whatever it is he's called you to be. Embrace the thing he's made you to be and use it to serve him and other people. No matter what that gift is, if it's from him, it's a good gift. Embrace that gift and use it for his body. There's one minister who said this. He said that the church is so cold and the body is so dead that when somebody arrives with a 98.6, which is perfect, temperature, we think the guy's sick with a fever (laughs) when actually he's just normal. And what he meant to say was that there's such a lack of fire in the church among Christians today. That when someone who's just kind of a normal Christian, he just sees Jesus as amazing, like that should just be normal. But we look at that person, we're like, wow, you're a fanatic, you're a freak, you're like over the top about Jesus. And Jesus is like, actually, that's just normal. Your mind should get blown when you think about me and look at me and talk to me. Like you should be like, holy cow, Jesus, you're unbelievable. That's normal, that's not even on fire. But so many of us are so cold and ignorant to the fact that Jesus is awesome that that person looks like a freak. But the truth is, so many of us are just dead. We're not excited about Jesus in the slightest bit. Maybe some of us need to light a fire. Maybe some of us need some more Holy Spirit. Need to look at Jesus with eyes of love. Maybe some of us are the cold ones. And we're taking the the gifts that Jesus has given us and we're pushing them off because we're just so focused on other things. The last part of the DNA, I'm going to read you these last verses here, starting in verse 21. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable and the parts that, that we are less, I'm sorry, that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Here's the third piece of the DNA here. The first one was unity. He brings us together. The second one was diversity, that we should embrace how he's made us to be different than each other. And the third is this, harmony. That as we encounter that diversity among us, Right? That we look at each other and accept them for being different. For these beautiful gifts that God has given each one and that we honor each other for those things. It takes something real special to do that. It's not an easy task, what we're talking about. Because when people are different from you, you immediately are like, and if you're anything like me, right? It's, whoa, wait, we're, we're pretty different. And what it takes is the Holy Spirit to say, I can do something special here if you just let me. If you'll actually trust me to do it. Trust that being different is okay. Trust that these gifts that you have are powerful because they're different. 
And it takes this thing called humility. Humility, where we are like, man, I don't, I can lay my pride aside and I can look at this person with respect and love and value them more than myself. I see this in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, and 8. I'll read it to you. It says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. And what Paul's pointing out here is like he's looking in the church. He's like, you guys are all over each Like you're attacking each other. You're supposed to be part of the same body. Why would you attack your own body? That's ridiculous. Instead, why not take the higher road and put other people above yourself? Sacrifice for others. When you're wronged, why not take the higher road instead of getting payback? Forgive and love people. But it's pretty seldom that we see that in churches. See people fighting. We see groups of people upset because so-and-so is gossiping about us or this group didn't make me feel included or like we have all of these different like complaints and listen, some of them are valid. We shouldn't do those things. But we don't have to sit there and throw our hands up in the air and be like, oh, I guess there's nothing I can do about this but complain. What we can do is forgive and love beyond what they're doing. Be like, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong right now. But that doesn't have to paralyze me. You might be wrong and treating me wrong, but I can still respond with love. Jesus can still overcome what's going on between us right now. But a lot of times we don't. We're like, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm gone. Until you come beg my forgiveness, you're like, we're done. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying that there's a better road because when you do that, you paralyze yourself. You don't have to paralyze the body. You can go to that person and be like, you wronged me but I can still love you and forgive you, right? We need more of that in the church. Listen, has someone wronged you tonight? Maybe someone in this room. Maybe somebody waiting at home. You have a choice. You can write them off, right? Because you're right, they're wrong. Or you could take the higher road. You can look with eyes of love and say, like, you have done me wrong but I can still forgive you. I can still love you. Is that like a a normal thing? No, it's not. It's absolutely supernatural. It's not normal at all to do that. See, normal people would just walk away, but we're not talking about being normal, being cold. We're talking about being on fire for Jesus, and being on fire for Jesus means we do supernatural things, not natural things, and we are able to forgive and love beyond what's reasonable. And when it's especially in the body of Christ, that's what he wants for us to do for each other. And that's where harmony comes from. When we humble ourselves and say, I'm going to put you above myself. And it doesn't just take humility to have harmony. It takes this too. It takes love. Love. And we know that because John 13, 35 says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. How do we? People know (laughs) that you're the body of Christ, that you're the church. You love each other. Listen, if you can't love the church, the people who have the Holy Spirit in them just like you, the same people who Jesus died for just like you, you have all that in common, and you can't even love those people? How on earth are you going to walk out of here and love the world that Jesus told you to go love? We get to start here in this room 
with the people around us, people in your life group or Sunday school class, your friends, with the body of Christ that says, I love you and I will put your needs above my own. That's what the body of Christ does. Now listen, some of you right now, as you hear me say that, in your heart, there's pushback. Because you might still be sitting over here in the place Jesus called you out of. And you're so comfortable there right now that just me saying this is annoying you. You don't want to be called out of this. It's not comfortable to go forgive someone that doesn't deserve to be forgiven. It's not comfortable to get up and love people with the radical love that Jesus loves people. It's more comfortable to sit right Or you could say, Jesus, you called me out of this. And you called me to step into a new life, the body of Christ. And that's where I want to be. It's radical. It's supernatural. It's not normal. But that's exactly what the body of Christ is. Do you want to be a part of it? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a second? The fruit of the Spirit, this outpouring that happens in you and the Holy Spirit's inside of you, it's expressed in different ways from each of us. And tonight, you might be like, I have no idea what it is that the Holy Spirit's trying to do with me or through me or what my gifts are. So let me challenge you right now. We're going to sing another song, and as we do, would you just stop into the quiet of your heart? Would you just say, God, will you show me? What are these gifts? What's this fruit that you're talking about? How do you want to use me? What are ways that I can find this out? But here's the first step, y'all. You're not going to do it unless you stop and say, Jesus, will you show me? So will you take just a second and just say, Jesus, I'm starting my journey now. I want to find out what this is. Will you please tell me?